us, 2 Timothy chapter 1. Don't you appreciate, Brother Josh, and uh, this meeting? I appreciate Safe Harbor hosting this meeting, and uh, all the ladies that uh, and uh, the gentlemen from uh, Safe Harbor that have uh, served us so uh, graciously last night and uh, working today behind the scenes. A lot goes into this, and we appreciate it. What a need it is, and... Uh, I, I appreciate the burden that brother. He said this comes out of a burden. You can tell that, can't you? You can, you can sense that here, and I appreciate that. And uh, I'm not sure exactly. I'm not trying to be humble. I'm just being honest. I'm not sure exactly what I'm doing up here, until oh, he asked me to be a part of it. Until he uh, told me what he wanted me to teach on, and then I thought, you know what? I think I'm qualified for this right here. I want to talk about the struggles of a young preacher. All right, the struggles of a young preacher. And uh, I, I, I think, uh, yeah, I'm not. It's not struggled. I am struggling still. And uh, and now it's the struggles of a middle-aged preacher. Uh, I'm also qualified for that. Uh, well, getting getting there, anyways. But uh, uh, I do want to. This is not going to be an expository message. That's normally how I do. I take a text, but I'm not necessarily preaching this morning. It's more shotgun. Just kind of some things on my heart. And uh, and I, I don't want to be too uh, uh, too personal and make it all about me. But also, I think it's good. How many of you got some help last night hearing Brother Willis tell some things? I love it when preachers just open up and get honest with me because I tell you what, it lets me know. It lets me know I'm not the only one. Because I'm gonna tell you what the devil likes to do. He'll like to tell you, you're the only one struggling like this. Everybody else has got it together. Everybody else is doing great. What's wrong with you? There's something wrong with you. But can I tell you something? There might be something wrong with you, but everybody's struggling, all right? I was about to say, there's nothing wrong with you, but I don't know. Uh, but every, every, everybody, listen, listen, everybody is struggling in the ministry. Nobody has this thing figured out. And, uh, and, you, and, you, never, and you learn things along the way, and a lot of grace, a lot of patience, a lot of, uh, a lot of wisdom that's needed for ministry. It comes along with time. And uh, but we never nobody graduates from this school. We are enrolled and we continue to learn. Uh, we only graduate when we get to glory and we're made in His image one day. Until then, as long as long as you're living in this flesh, you're going to be struggling. And uh, I want to uh, I want to just kind of jump through Second Timothy a little bit. I thought I was just I just jotted down for the last couple of weeks. I've just been jotting down things. Just I, just been I kept a notebook on my desk, and as things come to my mind, my heart, uh, and uh, and as I struggled with things, I would write it down. Uh, and so I end up filling out about 27 pages. Um, I've narrowed it down uh, just to a couple things. <laughs> and uh, y'all think I'm joking, but. Uh, I've narrowed it down just to a couple things here, and uh, and just tried to organize them in some thoughts. And then I, I was thinking about, well, uh, I, I, I'd like to have a text, and uh, and then I got thinking about Second Timothy, and, and most of the things that, uh, believe it or not, most of the things we have problems with. How about that? God puts them in the Bible. He addresses them in the Bible. A lot of Second Timothy. What a great place to be. Obviously, Timothy conference, but this is a pastoral epistle. This is Paul speaking to. Uh, I don't know if Timothy's necessarily what we would consider a young preacher, but uh, but he is a uh, but he is a young preacher to Paul. He is Paul's uh, young preacher boy. And uh, when we get to Second Timothy, it seems like the tone and the tenor of Paul's uh, writing has changed from First Timothy to Second Timothy. And I'm not telling you anything you do not know. First uh, Timothy to me, uh, and I just got done preaching through First Timothy not too long ago at our church. 
Uh, and First Timothy to me seems like uh, a lot of instruction, almost like an instruction manual for the ministry, specifically for uh, Timothy's ministry there at Ephesus, a lot of things specifically that he needed to deal with and would uh, have to deal with there in Ephesus. But when we come to 2 Timothy, it seems like this, uh, this pastor, he needs uh, more inspiration than instruction. He is in need of encouragement. It seems like when you get to 2 Timothy, just the tone and the, and the things that Paul is dealing with, you can find out that, that the ministry has kind of beat up on Timothy just a little bit. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? And we find that here, and I just want to read one verse in verse number 4 of chapter 1, Paul said this, he said, "...greatly desiring to see thee..." Notice this phrase right here. He says, "...being mindful of thy tears, that I, might, that I may be filled with joy." He said, uh, "...being mindful of thy tears..." Can I tell you, the ministry will pull some tears out of you. <laughs> Uh, and, I, and I don't know any other way to pastor. I don't know any other way to be a preacher other than just to have your heart in it. There are some that have decided to disconnect their heart, and, but you'll never have an effective ministry that way. You'll never, you'll never have any fruit. You'll never have any joy. You'll never have. If you do, I, I remember when I first started in the ministry, I had a good preacher. Uh, he told me. Uh, he said he's a, he's a good man. I respect him to this day. And uh, but he told me. He said, "Listen." He said, "Don't get close to people." He said, "Don't get close to people." He said, "They'll just hurt you. They'll just rip your heart out." And uh, he said, "Don't get don't get close to them." But can I tell you, that man was exactly right on one aspect. They will hurt you. They will rip your heart out. Uh, no doubt about that. But I don't know any other way to pastor. I, I I don't know I don't know how you can I don't know how you can help people without getting close to them. I know there's got to be healthy boundaries and things, but I don't know. I think shepherds just smell like sheep, you know. I mean, you just you you, you get it on you. It's the good, it's the bad, it's the ugly, and 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 Timothy obviously needs some inspiration. You know, a lot of times we go into the ministry, a lot of young preachers go into the ministry thinking that uh, the ministry is a place to showcase their talents, to showcase their ability to be seen. Can I tell you, it takes about 14 seconds to get that knocked out of you real quick. And uh, you realize you get in this thing and you realize, man, that, that this is not what it's about at all. And some people, they're just looking for a place to be in charge. They want immediate, overnight respect. And so they think the ministry is a place to do that. Can I tell you, a lot of times, listen, the ministry uh, and uh, and serving people and helping people, man, I tell you what, it will just it'll knock all the wind absolutely out of your sails. And then you're on your back and you're thinking, okay, now what do I do? And uh, and Paul is dealing with some things. And again, this is not an expository. I'm not going to exposit any scriptures or anything. This is just a topical rant, if you will. All right. And maybe there might be a little organization to it, and I don't know. And really. My, 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 my desire uh, in just a couple things that I'm going to give you here is, uh, is really to pastors. And you say, well, I'm not, a, I'm, not a, I'm, not a, I'm not a pastor. I'm just a young preacher. That's all right. That's all right. Because I'm going to tell you, it doesn't matter what field that you go into or that you Listen, you're still dealing with people. And if, God, if God's given you, uh, open some doors to preach meetings and to preach in some churches, I'll tell you what you're going to do. A lot of times what you'll find, your greatest ministry is not even going to be to those people. It's going to be to the pastor, to be an encouragement to the pastor. You need to know kind of what they're facing and what they're going through. And, uh, and it's kind of all conflated to me. I, I'll tell you, uh, I started pastoring when I was real, when I was real young. I, I was about eight years old when I started pastoring. No, I'm just kidding. That's what some people think, but it's not true. 
No, I, I, uh, I'll just give just a minute or two testimony about kind of my, my personal journey uh, in this thing. I've been pastoring for 15 years and uh, I, I wasn't planning on getting thrown in it like, uh, like at, at the time that I did. Uh, I was working with my, with my grandfather at my home church. and He had to resign the ministry due to some, uh, some moral failure and things like that. So our church was, home church was uh, just reeling. It was, uh, it was just kind of a bad situation. And I'd, honestly, I'm going to be honest, I didn't know how hard it was. Uh, you know, they say ignorance is bliss. And I was just, I was just, I mean, you know, I wasn't happy about the situation, but I was happy about an opportunity. I just thought, man, this is, this is great. And I feel like the Lord was leading me in that area. And I thought, well, I, I just turned, uh, well, I was 19 years old at the time. And I was filling the pulpit for the church. And uh, just a couple weeks after my 20th birthday, uh, I was voted in as the interim and then a couple months later voted in as the pastor. But I could not, honestly, if you asked me to give you three good reasons why I shouldn't be the pastor of that church, I would have trouble giving you three good reasons why I shouldn't be the pastor. I just thought it was the the best thing in the world. And I, 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 would, do, uh, I would do great. Looking back, I don't understand what they were thinking, uh, allowing me to, uh, to take over in that, uh, that kind of situation. But God had me there for five years, and uh, and again, it was just ignorant. I didn't know it was supposed to be hard. I didn't know those things. We just, I was just preaching, having a good time, and and the Lord blessed. And but the Lord ended up moving me to North Carolina, and I'm not going to get into all that. But uh, but it was almost the same situation at the at the church that I'm at now. I'm not going to de- we are live streaming, aren't we? Is that okay? I'm not going into details or anything like that. But but just some struggles uh, the church had been through, a split, and uh, and different things, and uh, almost it's almost like God was preparing me for that and uh, and some of the same things and I've been there for 10 years now and uh, and can I tell you the struggles they 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 don't ever end if you think I know some of these things that I'm, I'm going to mention and I'm mentioning this morning have already been alluded to if you think if you think you're going to get to somewhere where the struggles are over listen you're living in a fantasy land they don't ever end they they morph they change really they get harder really is what, what what it comes down to. But can I tell you something? The grace gets stronger, and and the grace gets deeper. And uh, and and I'll tell you, if if you will let your struggles, if you will let the things that frustrate you and the things that bother you and the things that even make you want to quit, if you will let them sanctify you, and if you will let them get you closer to the Lord, I'm gonna tell you what that'll make you a real man of God. I can't tell you how much respect I have for the older men of God. that have been through the battles and have the scars to prove it and they have a smile on their face and they're not mad at the whole world and they're not and they're not uh, they're not mad at their people and and I tell you that I respect that so much because I guess I've just in 15 years gotten just a small glimpse of of, uh, of of some of the things that can take place in any pastor that's made it 50, 60 years in the ministry without just being mad at the whole world and do it sober too. Uh, man, I tell you, man, my hat's off uh, to uh, to that to, to that crowd right there. I thank God for it, and that's my goal. I, I have wanted nothing else uh, since I was a, just a young preacher. I was called to preach when I was 11 years old. And uh, since I was a young preacher, I've wanted nothing. I, I only wanted to grow up to be an old preacher. That's what I want to be, and uh, an old preacher that's happy for the Lord. 
And uh, I just thought about if I could just just condense the last few minutes I have, just some struggles that uh, that we face. And I know it's not specific just to the young preacher, but I think it's some of the things that young preachers struggle with, and young pastors struggle with, and I still struggle with. And uh, but I know it's some things that we that we all deal with. I'm just going to kind of put them in in three different categories. A lot of things, but three different categories. I'm going to start them all with the letter D. It's going to be it's going to look like some of y'all's report cards growing up. All right, have a bunch of bunch of D's right. Out here, all right. But first of all, I thought about a lot of it falls under the category of doubts. Uh, of doubts. I thought that's one of the first things that Paul dealt with in Second Timothy. He talked about in verse seven, for God hath not given us a spirit of fear. Um, but a power, love, sound mind. Uh, Paul deals with fear in Timothy's life. Can I tell you that the spirit of fear, it will absolutely paralyze you. And it will. And it's, it falls under the category of doubt. It can manifest its way in so many, it manifests itself in so many ways. Uh, timidity in the pulpit. Uh, I think a lot of it would be a fear of man. I think a lot of what you have as a young preacher is a is a fear of man. I heard it said like this when you when you're young, you care immensely about what everybody thinks about you and what everybody says about you. Now you don't ever get over that, but that is a dominating factor in your life. Young preachers really care about what everybody is saying about them. Then you'll come to another stage in your life as you get a little bit older where you'll kind of hit this little streak and you say, I don't care what people say about me. And you're going to do your own thing. Really, you do. People that talk a lot about they don't care what people say about them, they care a lot what people say about them. You mark it down. If they're on social media all the time saying, I don't care what this person thinks and I don't care what happens, they are consumed with what people are thinking about them, what people are saying about them. People that don't care what people say about them, they don't think about what about it at all and so they don't have to make a post about it every seven minutes now I'm not going to get sorry brother Poindexter I'm not he's doing social media stuff I forgot about that sorry doc sorry doc but uh, anyways anyways but, but, but you care about what people are saying about you and then as you get a little bit older you say I don't care what people say about me and you want everybody to know it but then when you get along the line and just a little bit further you, you, you wake up and realize nobody's been talking about you the whole time you're not the center of the universe. And probably nobody ever thinks about you. I don't, I don't, care, I don't care what Barney and your grandma says. You're not special. People don't sit... You think people are sitting around at preacher's meeting talking about you all the time, you know. Yeah, they're not, okay. I promise you they're not. Because I sit around and preach me and talk about people all the time, and I don't talk about any of y'all in here. But as a young preacher, don't you? I think I think we could. I think we could specify it a little better as insecurity, right? There's that insecurity that we face. We don't know who we are. We're struggling with who we are. We don't know. We we we're just trying to we're trying to figure it out. I remember. Uh, <laughs> I remember whoever I had been listening to that week, that's who I would preach like on Sunday. So, <laughs> so you know, <laughs> I don't know how in the world I'm still in this thing, honestly. I'd get up and I'd preach against contemporary artists that I've never listened to and I didn't know who they were. But I just heard somebody preach against them and so that's what I would do. And I would, 
you know, I would, you know, do mannerisms like them and, you know, just try to, try to be, and it would just, there's some preachers that have such huge personalities. They just, and when you don't know who you are and you don't know where you are in this thing, you really struggle with those things and you want to be accepted and you want approval. And, and really what you're looking for is you're looking for validation. You're looking for somebody to validate your ministry. You're looking for somebody to come along and say, hey, you're a good preacher. You're looking for somebody that, somebody that you respect and somebody that you really look up to. You're looking for them to book you for a meeting or for them to come up to you and say, man, you're a good preacher and uh, you're doing a good job. But can I tell you something? You'll probably get all those things one of these days, but I'm going to tell you what you're going to find out when they come. They're very empty. They don't satisfy you like you think they do. They don't fulfill you like they think, like you think they do. There is only one uh, approval that will absolutely satisfy you, and that does not come from anybody in this world. It comes from above the sun. It comes from out of this world. And I don't care if everybody likes you or hates you. You ought not even think about that. You ought not even care about that. I mean, legitimately not care about it, and without being a jerk either. And you all not to care. It all, you ought to be. You ought to strive to please an audience of one, and the doubts will go away. Get your validation from heaven, because I'm here to tell you. You see what he says in verse number seven about God hath not given us, but God has given us. But the, the implication is, but He has given us a spirit of power, love, sound mind. I'm not going to deal with those things, but I just want to note this: that it comes from God. And, and, and identity, a lot of times we look for our own identity as a preacher. We look for it in other people to, to tell us who we are. And you'll find that is empty and that's futile and, and it, it doesn't satisfy. And then, and then, we, and then we start, and then, then we make a mistake, we overcorrect, and then we start looking on the inside. And you say, well, who am I on the inside? Can I tell you, that's a mistake. That's worldly philosophy. Uh, just, just who are you on the inside? Be the person you're supposed to be on the inside. Listen, your, your validation does not come from without... Uh, uh, from other men, and what validation doesn't come from within. Validation comes from above. Let me tell you who you are. You're who this Bible says you are. I tell you what you're supposed to believe. You're supposed to believe what this Bible says you're supposed to believe. It's supposed to come from God. Quit trying to look inside and be all introspective and figure out who you are. You're going to kill yourself that way. Because you'll critique every little thing and you'll change. Those guys that can't figure out what they are, they're Southern Baptists, Independent Baptists, they're Calvinists, and this way they're Reformed. They keep looking inside. You need to look to heaven. Get your assurance from Him. And can I tell you, it's for some of you young preachers that are struggling with these things and, and, and it's really eating you up on the inside, can I tell you, a lot of it just gets worked out with time. A lot of your, 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 your preaching personality, your preaching style... Uh, a lot of your leadership style, all that kind of stuff. It just takes time. Listen, you just need to simmer down and be patient. Just be patient. And you need to be Spirit-filled and Spirit-controlled. And don't worry about that other stuff. And when you're in the pulpit, be yourself. But more than that, just forget yourself. Don't even think about yourself. And let God control you. There's a lot. There's really. There, there's a whole lot you could say about doubts. I thought about a second thing that we struggle with as as young preachers, and I, I know we struggle with it, uh, uh, at, you know, forever. But it, it really is a battle that needs to be won in your youth, and that is discipline. That is the struggle of discipline. One of the greatest things you can do as a young preacher is to learn discipline. 
I'm going to tell you something. A lack of discipline, it will stunt your spiritual growth and ministry potential. The preachers that go beyond, the pastors that go beyond the average are not those that are thinking about trying to get beyond. It's those that have their nose in the book, they have their knees on the floor, they have their, they, they, they have their heart with their people, and they just literally have disciplined themselves to do what's right, and they're not worried about things. And over time, discipline over time will always win out. There are going to be those firecracker preachers. You're going to find them. They, they, you, know what firecra- they, you know what firecrackers do? They, they just they shoot up and then they fizzle out, right? And they're going to be those firecrackers. And you're going to think, man, that's amazing and that is awesome. And, 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 and I, want to, I want to have that and I want to be that. Can I tell you something? You don't want that fizzle out part. And if you want to stay in this thing long, you're going to need some discipline. I don't have time to go through all of it, but when you go to chapter number 2 in 2 Timothy, you'll find out the first six or seven verses or so, Paul likens the ministry to the work of a soldier. He likens the ministry to the work of an athlete. He likens the ministry to the work of a farmer. Can I tell you, all three of those things, they demand one thing, and that is discipline. All those occupations have one thing in common, that is work. It takes hard work, dedicated Discipline work to achieve desired outcomes. Because if the if the soldier gets careless, he's going to be defeated. If the athlete gets careless, he's going to be disqualified. And if the farmer gets careless, he's going to be depleted. He's not going to have a harvest. And can I tell you, if you get careless and if you get undisciplined and lazy in your study and in uh, your sanctification, listen, you are going to be disqualified. That's why Paul said, I keep under my body. I keep under under subjection. He doesn't want to be a castaway. He doesn't want to be disqualified. Literally, in that text, the idea is, he doesn't, I think that's 1 Corinthians 9, right? He doesn't want to be cut from the team. An athlete that is not disciplined, he fails to get up in the morning and work out. He fails to go to the gym. He fails to uh, monitor his diet and what he's putting in. Listen, it's not going to be long. He's going to be cut from the team. And it all goes back to a lack of discipline. Listen, what goes on behind closed doors, it will eventually be known in front of everybody. Good and bad. Good and bad. Discipline is telling yourself what to do other than the other way around. And listen, and he talks about being disciplined in steadfastness, not not, not just just staying faithful, endurance, keeping uh, keeping at it. Discipline in the area of study, verse fifteen, right? Study to show thyself approved. Uh, listen, and I just want to make a mention mention about that uh, about being disciplined in the study. That's probably one of the greatest disciplines you need. There's really two areas. It's, it's, it's yourself and the doctrine. It's study and it's sanctification. Those are the two greatest areas of discipline that you need. But can I tell you, one of the greatest disciplines you need to learn as a young preacher is you need to learn to put your backside in a chair and don't get up. You need to learn to turn off your phone, turn off distractions, and sit down. And you need to read. <laughs> you need to give yourself to reading. Paul says that. I think that's First Timothy. Listen, you say, well, I don't like to read. Well, then go do something else. So I don't like to study. Well, go sell cars. Go sell insurance. Sell Mary Kay. I don't care what you do. But don't be a preacher. Brother Willis was talking about the guy that threw away all of his books and needed them back. And one, one guy says, I'm, I'm going to be original or nothing. Well, usually you're both. Amen. Somebody said, if that's all you have... is. 
original thoughts. Uh, listen, you need to be constantly putting things in your life. And if you can't sit down and study for a couple hours at a time, listen, you need to you you are you are doing a disservice to the people that have to listen to you preach. And I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just being honest. Study to show yourself approved. Discipline in the study, it will show up in the pulpit. Lack of discipline in the study will show up in the pulpit as well. Listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean, but people can tell when you get up and you just threw something together. And listen, the touch of God is more important than anything else. I'm not discounting that. But listen, I'm going to tell you something. Especially when you get to pastoring, you're going to have to have something more than just the book, the blood, and the blessed hope every Sunday morning. Sunday night, Wednesday night. Amen. You don't understand what I'm saying? You just can't preach, you know, the just topical, just shallow uh, thing. You, know, thing. you got to get in the study, and it's a discipline is what it is. You have to learn it. Not everybody's a natural reader. Some people are. Some people are, but not everybody is. But you can learn to be one. You can discipline yourself. You say, well, i got to... No, you, you, you just you make yourself do it. It's called discipline. It's when you have rule over your own spirit instead of your spirit having rule over you. And then he talks about at the end of chapter 2, that area of sanctification. Can I tell you, it don't matter how good of a, of a studier or a student you are. It doesn't matter how good of a preacher you are. If you're living loose... And you're living dirty, and you got secret sin in your life, and there's not real sanctification, real holiness in your life, it will undo absolutely everything. I don't care how good of a preacher you are, if you're not living right, listen, nobody wants to listen to anything you have to say. Your sanctification is the absolutely most important thing. To be a vessel, as he says in verse number 23, uh, verse number 20 and 21, a vessel of honor. Verse 22, flee youthful lusts. You know what that takes? That takes discipline. The whole message is, is right there. You understand I'm leaving a lot of stuff on the table here. But can I just say this about discipline, and I'm, I'll hit the last thing and I'll be done. But some young preachers, and some preachers, they will never get the opportunity to say yes to greater things because they couldn't say no to lesser things. Your no's will determine your yeses. You'll never get to say yes to some... You'll, you'll have to turn down or you'll never get the opportunity to say yes to some great things if you're not willing to tell your flesh no to some stupid things. It's your choice what you say yes and what you say no to. So, again, this is very, very... Just skimming the top on things that need to be uh, dove down deep into. You understand that. But I think we could we could save the struggles... Uh, include doubts, that insecurity, that fear, fear of man, and things like that. It includes uh, discipline. It's a struggle. And it's something that you need to learn uh, as, a, as a young preacher, and it will, uh, it will catapult you where, you where you probably want to go if you can learn discipline. And then another one, I'm not going to spend real long on this one because the preacher hit it last night. But I think another struggle, and a lot, of, a lot of things fall into this category. I'm just going to call it the area of disappointment. Disappointment. I didn't know what Brother Willis was preaching on last night. He covered that so very well, so I'm just going to say a word or two about it, and then I'll be done. But I'm going to tell you something. Disappointment can absolutely be the death of your ministry. It can be the death. And again, I'm just going to parrot a lot of stuff that Brother Willis uh, taught us last night and preached to us last night. But when you become bitter... And you become 
angry at the people that you're supposed to love and you're supposed to help. I'll tell you, you're done. You're done. I don't mean you got to. I don't mean you got to quit. I just mean you might still hold the title, but you, you're not. Uh, you're not fulfilling the office. You're not being effective. And disappointment is nothing more than it's simply unmet expectations. It is when you expect something here and you, your reality is falling short of those expectations. And I tell you, a lot of times what you'll find out is, is, is in the ministry, and, and people get better, we get better with people, preachers get better with people, preachers get better at God. They wouldn't say that. They would get to the pulpit and say, I'm better at God. Uh, for not allowing me to have a ministry like so and so, or allowing this to happen, or whatever. Nobody get up and say that, but 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 it's in their heart. And a lot of times, is is we hold God uh, accountable to do things that He's never promised that He would do. We hold God accountable to do things in our ministry that He's done for other people in their ministry. Can I tell you, just because God blesses somebody's ministry like that, that doesn't mean that He's going to bless your ministry like that. It doesn't mean your ministry's not blessed. God, God has His own reasons. When it, when it, uh, listen, I believe in the sovereignty of God uh, over all things, but I believe in the sovereignty of God, especially when it comes in this area of service. God chooses whom He will, and He uses them how He wants. And really, honestly, uh, the, I mean, that's... You know, if you want to get into it, that's the that's the that's the. I just got done teaching through Romans nine at the church. That's what Romans nine is about. It's not. I'm not going to get all of it with you, but it's not electing people to heaven and hell. It's who God will use. God chose to use the nation of Israel, and then He decided to set them aside and do something else. What are you going to say to the potter about that? You're, you, the thing formed. What are we going to say to Him? He's the potter. We're the clay. Listen, it's a, it's about Him. It's not about us. And I believe there are things that we can do to make ourselves more usable and more available. And there's things certainly we have control over to disqualify ourselves. But at the end of the day, it's all about what He wants to do. And listen, people will let you down. And, and, and your, own, your own flesh will let you down. And we, Brother Willis dealt so thoroughly with that about people letting you down. Really, chapter 3 is about people... That will leave the faith. All that, that the people that are um, lovers of themselves and covetous and boasters and proud and black, those aren't people in the world. They're always that way. Paul was telling Timothy, there's going to be people in the church. He said, because he says in verse number 5, they have a form of godliness. They deny the power thereof. Listen, they're going to depart. Chapter uh, first, Timothy talking about departing from the faith, and they're going to they're going to listen. People will leave you. People will hurt you. People will let you down. At the end of chapter four, even at the end of this letter, he chronicles people that did him wrong and Demas that has left him, and and even friends that would not stood by him. A lot of times we go into the ministry with these high expectations. I know I did. I, I know it sounds silly, and I'm not trying to be funny, but I literally... I, I mean, I'm so embarrassed to tell you what I thought going into the pastorate. Because, I, I mean, I was 19 years old, 20, and I, I honestly, I had a five-year plan. A five-year plan. I end up leaving at the end of five years. <laughs> I'm surprised they kept me five years. But I had a five-year... And, man, it was building projects. I literally thought once this community gets wind that I'm the pastor, we're going to have to set out chairs. I literally thought that. <laughs> and then I had my first revival. And I booked my favorite preacher. And I wanted him to see. I wanted him to come and see the greatness of Chris Simpson. And nobody showed up. 
<laughs> Hardly anybody showed up for that meeting. <laughs> it was the worst attendance. We had we had better we had better attendance on Wednesday night. And I was so embarrassed, and I was so upset. And uh, and you know, God has a way of just kind of just letting you just fall flat on your on your on your back. And then you begin to realize as the disappointments come, if you'll if you'll if you'll take them and, and, and let them come right, and 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 face them spiritually on your knees, as the preacher said, you'll find out that you know somebody somebody said this one time. I guess it's best summed up like this: that when you begin the ministry, you really think it's all about you, you know. And that's why. And some guys they don't ever get past that stage. That's why they name their ministries after them, and that's why they it's all about them. They're on billboards and everything. But if you'll let God help you a little bit, you'll get you'll get over it, and you'll realize it's not about me. And then and then you you get to the place where you realize well uh, well and, and you think well it's all about people and and it's investing in people and that's not a bad thing. But can I tell you that that's where you get hurt right there? Because I'm gonna tell you something. You start thinking this thing's all about people. Listen, people will let you down in a heartbeat. And then God's got to let some disappointment and some failure come in your life. He'll let you fail yourself so you get over yourself. He'll let people fail you so you'll get over people. You realize this thing's all about Him. And can I give you some good news on that? He don't ever fail you. He'll never let you down. If you've ever been disappointed in God, listen, it's because you've expected something out of Him that He's never promised you. In fact, he told he told us in, here, in the chapter two. He told us that uh, that, uh, that all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall, shall suffer persecution. I think that's that's in here. It's in the Bible somewhere, anyway. Chapter three. There it is. I'm telling you that that's what we're promised. That's what we're promised. And 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 when we go go into this thing, I, I wanted to say something about about zeal too. We go into this thing with zeal, and that's good. And and that is good. But if it's not tempered and balanced with wisdom and patience, you're gonna you're gonna get hurt. I read something the other day said young preachers think they're gonna take a church and, and they're gonna change the world and then they get voted out when they change the bulletin. Amen. <laughs> can I tell you something? If I can give you any advice if the Lord lets you pass, if you're in a pastor, if the Lord's putting you in that or gonna put you in that, any advice, be be excited, be zealous. No doubt about it. Have some zeal about you. And keep that zeal. Keep it for God. Keep that zeal for God. But can I tell you something? When you get in some place, don't, don't think you're going to change everybody and everything in the first six. Some of y'all just, I mean, you got it all pinned up. You're ready to go. You're ready for just somebody to vote you in so you can just, you know, just change the whole world. And I'm telling you something. People need to be led. People need to be, you need to be patient with people. You need to, you need to invest in people. I know this is the cliche of all cliches. I mean, it's the most cliche thing you've ever heard, but can I tell you, there's so much truth in it. And that is, people don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. And if you're not investing in people and building a relationship with people, listen, you're not going to be able to lead them anywhere. Honestly, listen, you say, I'm not that good of a preacher. It don't matter. If you'll love people and people you know you love them and you'll invest and they know you love God, I'll tell you, you can lead them wherever. You can be the worst preacher that's ever been. And then on the, on the, on the flip side, you can be the best preacher that's ever been. But if, 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 if people don't feel like you love it, you're not going to be able to lead them anywhere. Take time so you don't set yourself up for more disappointments. And you're like, take your time and be patient and just love people. Both, both churches I took, uh, they had, went through a lot of trouble and a lot of things. And what I had to find was uh, you, just have to, you just have to take time. 
And God uses the process of time to take care of a lot of things. No doubt about that. And I, I want to end with this, and I'm done. At the end of chapter 4, right there in the middle of chapter 4, Paul talks about how he fought a good fight, and he kept the faith, he finished his course. And what did he say? There's a crown of righteousness laid up. Can I tell you, it is a struggle, and it always will be a struggle. But can I tell you, it's a worthy struggle. And it's worth it. And I promise you, anything you endure and anything you suffer down here, you'll be repaid time and time and time again. And by the way, we probably won't. We'll probably we'll probably forget all the all the junk we went through one millisecond after seeing his dear face. All trials will erase. And I tell you, it's a good struggle. I'm glad I get to struggle in the ministry. What a blessed privilege it is. Amen. Take that honesty and that help this morning from the Word of God.